and welcome back to And The Winner Isn't, a podcast for the movie aisle in which we take a look back at a film that did not win the Oscar in the category in which it was nominated. And myself and Dan try to decide whether our choice would have been a more worthy winner. So I am Marie, of course, and with me as ever is Dan. Hello. Hello, Marie. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. How are things? Excellent. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's that time of... Uh, every four years in our country where we hold a presidential election and it is uh, hotly contested and still yet undecided these couple of days after the fact. So uh, yeah, on bated should... breath, I wait uh, the results, but not to polarize our audience. I'll keep my opinions on the matter to myself. That's fair enough. So we should say we are recording on Friday, the 6th of November. And, you know, I do know that a lot of people, a lot of Americans would complain about cricket in that it kind of goes on for five days and nothing really happens and nobody wins in the end. Next time someone says that to me, I'm going to bring up this election because honestly, it should be in, out. Here's the winner. You, you know the guy moves, or woman, moves into number 10 Downing Street the next day. Yeah, but you know, you live on an island and we have this vast land of which every nook and cranny apparently uh, hides votes and we must count them all as the voice of the people is the important part of our democracy <laughs> and that's the story i'm sticking to let's pull us back i'm sorry i did that sure sure that's fascinating um so this week uh it was my choice um we had a few technical hitches and one or two other issues what why we couldn't uh, record for last week but uh, I did choose um, a film from the 1990s late 1990s so that's you know adding something else into the mix there and I chose the hug in celluloid that is Goodwill Hunting. On the campus of one of America's leading universities. There is a problem on the main hallway chalkboard. It took my colleagues and I more than two years to prove it. I'm hoping that one of you might prove it by the end of the semester. The most gifted mind to ever enter its classrooms. Oh, this is correct. Who did this? Is the person who cleans its floors. Well, I just need the name of this guy who works in my building. Got this job through his PO, you can call him. PO? Parole officer. Meet Will Hunting. I've been looking over this rap sheet of yours. Assault, theft, resisting. I've spoken to the judge, and he's agreed to release you under my supervision. Really? But you have to meet with a therapist every week. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> For the first time in his life, he's about to meet his match. How many shrinks you go to before me? Five. This boy's genius is unparalleled. I need someone who can get through to him. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. I went on a date last week. Going out again? I don't know. This girl's like, you know, beautiful. She's smart. She's fun. She's like perfect right now. I don't want to ruin that. Maybe you're perfect right now. Maybe you don't want to ruin that. Have you talked to him at all about his future? Give him time to figure out what he wants. This boy has that gift. Can you imagine if Einstein would have given that up just to get drunk with his buddies every night? Some people can never believe in themselves. I can't learn anything from you unless you want to talk about you. Until someone believes in them. 
you can do anything you want, you are bound by nothing. And you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. I'd do anything to have what you got. And some never know how much they can have. I love you. Until they discover how much they can give. And an excellent choice, I might add, mm-hmm. uh, from the year 1997. Yeah. So just some of the finer points, uh, as we have done time and time again. Uh, from IMDb, Will Hunting, a janitor at MIT, has a gift for mathematics, but needs help from a psychologist to find direction in his life. This rated R movie runs two hours and six minutes. You'll find it in the drama romance section of your local... Uh, video vault i guess and uh <laughs> released on december the 7th 1997 here in the states i think it was a little bit later uh for the rest ah, of the did not realize it was so late actually in the I, year yeah and you know in the late 1990s as you recall maybe hollywood had this uh, move afoot that those films that would be nominated in the best picture category at a time when there were only five nominees oftentimes got that late in the year release right before the holidays because the attendance crowds were up. And so part of that was the delay here. I also read that actually in, in my home city of Louisville, Kentucky, it was not released until January the 9th. So it had a national audience, but again, uh, some of that delay. So it didn't actually hit it here before the Christmas season. Um, I remember seeing it the first day that came out, but I didn't realize that it was January. Um, Also, nominated during that year you want to cover that or you want me to oh yeah no go ahead if you have it there yeah okay sure um as good as it gets i believe that netted uh, jack nicholson his fourth best actor oscar win uh, mm-hmm. the full monty uh, an english feel-good film uh which i remember quite fondly la confidential which was in the early days my initial pick at uh-huh. film noir hollywood uh, story of Old, starring Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, and others. Uh-huh. I think Kim Basinger won the Academy Award for Best Actress or Supporting Actress for that one. And then uh, the eventual winner, <laughs> Titanic, <laughs> which set all kinds of records for nominations and wins at that point in time. Uh, the winner uh, in 97 was Titanic. It should have, in my opinion, finished at the bottom of that list of five that were selected. But uh, more about that in the moments to come, I suppose. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Shall, you, shall I also run down the list of all the other stuff? Or do you want to Yeah, no, do that while you're there. Because there okay. are some really interesting uh, nominations. Sure. So uh, Goodwill Hunting was directed by Gus Van Zant, I think an often overlooked and very talented director and one of my mm-hmm. personal favorites. Uh, written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, who would... Uh, We'll talk more about in a bit. Starring Robin Williams as the psychologist that helps Matt Damon's Will Hunting character. His best pal, Ben Affleck, and the love interest for uh, Will Hunting was played by uh, Britt Minnie Driver. Um, It was nominated for nine Academy Awards and won two. Robin Williams, his only victory uh, in a supporting role and for the screenplay, the original screenplay by Damon and Affleck, which brought them a tremendous amount of fame and uh, eventual fortune kind of made them the Hollywood golden boys, the hot ticket for the late nineties, early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nominated, but didn't win for best picture, best actor in a leading role to Matt Damon, best actress in a supporting role, Minnie driver, best director, Gus Van Zant, best film editing, best music, original song and best music, original score all in the loser category as mm-hmm. it were. 
Well, there you have it. So, I mean, I, I really like it. This is, you know, one of my favorites. I mean, I, it's easy to have a say, oh, it's one of my favorites. It's maybe, you know, if I were to pluck a group of 50 films, it might be in there, it wouldn't be in the top 10, but um, I watched it again and, and just forgot how unschmaltzy it is. There, there were bits of, maybe a little bit over sentimental in certain places. But it could have been an awful lot more, I think. Um, and they didn't go there. But nor did they completely go down the... Um, we didn't see the... You know, there was only the one big violent punch-up scene. Um, and so they didn't kind of take it too far on screen anyway. It was more emotional, I think, more psychological. Um, and I think that balance was one, is one of the reasons why I really like it. You know, and on that point of emotion, uh, I remember crying in the theater. I don't really? cry often at movies, but it moved me in such a way that I had not been moved in the cinema in quite some time. Mm. Um, I think I think the story resonated, uh, and there were lots of things within the story that just I was relating to in my life at that time, and it really struck a chord. And you know, I've said on this show time and time before how much I'm a fan of Robin Williams. Um, I really became a big fan of Matt Damon. Um, we're in the same age range and, um, and just in his work since then, I've just appreciated it even more. I think, I think he may be the best actor of his generation, uh, on the screen at the moment. And this mm -hmm. certainly, I mean, he wrote the role for himself, but, um, but played it brilliantly. Uh, and as you said, it didn't go too schmaltzy. You know, there's a, it's a, it's a, in, in part, it, the comedy part of it is, you know, the buddy shtick. Mm. Uh, between the friends and there's certainly a lot of um, their hometown of Boston present uh, with some of the dirty jokes and, and just the way that they banter back and forth. But mm -hmm. um, at the root of it, it is a troubled genius who needs help. And, yeah. um, and that spoke to me on a lot of levels. I watched it again last night just to kind of refresh myself of it. And, and still, still after seeing it a hundred times and moved to tears even yeah. though I know exactly how it's going to turn out. Yeah. I, 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 thought this was, I thought this was by far the best picture of the year. Oh, that's really good. So which bit, is it one particular bit that it really hits home with you? Is it um, scene with Robin Williams and Matt well, Damon? I, I, think, I think the scene where they're sitting by the lake after, after, mm. after um, well, for those that aren't familiar with the story, Matt Damon plays a janitor at MIT, one of the most prestigious think tank universities in our nation. And there's a professor um, played by Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård, yeah. Yeah, it just, he's brilliant as well. Um, I, I like his work over the course of his career, but, you know, he really plays, he plays the snotty award-winning professor brilliantly. Um, he would challenge his students by putting these um, high-level math problems on the board to be solved and his students come and ask who solved the first problem and they're all kind of like no this is above our heads and it happens to be the janitor who has uh, a troubled past who has maybe we would say a bad attitude and certainly has had his share of fisticuffs with the law so this relationship that is formed between those two out of the professor wanting his own personal thing and um, I think maybe Matt Damon's character trying to discover really who he is the professor mentor sets him up 
on this string of auditions, if you will, between uh, psychologists that he knows, and every one of them ends comically with Matt Damon's character, you know, belittling yeah. the, the, the helper, the shrink, until he finds Robin Williams, who's also a troubled soul. Uh, and so to answer your question, there is a scene after their very first meeting where he basically doesn't even talk. Uh, and then he makes a very insulting comment to Robin Williams' character about a paint by numbers that he had done, and and he starts to psychoanalyze it and says, you know, that's what it is. You you had you had a you, you married the wrong woman, and we find out that Robin Williams' wife's character had died of cancer, and it was, you know, as awful as that can be. And he hit a nerve, and so their next meeting is out by uh, a pond, and Robin Williams goes into how could you do that really toward his soul? And I, you know, I, I, I'm almost starting to get choked up thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I just think that's a brilliant exchange that, um, that pulled me in. Mm -hmm. that, that I think oftentimes we are quick to judge people before we know them and, and what harm that can do or, or what not good can come out of that. And so it really starts to peel back the layers of the very deep, and troubled uh, and complicated character that both these guys are. Yeah. Um, and it just makes for a very real story. And, 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 you know, I know we go to the movies sometimes to escape, but it just, it just struck me way down deep uh, on a lot of levels. And when he says to him a line, I've never forgotten. And still, I, I use this, you know, you, you think, you know, a lot, but you know what it smells like in the Sistine chapel <laughs> and having been there, couple times. Um, I can tell you what it smells like. And yeah. It's a great question. And every time I go back, I think about that and inhale, you know, yeah. deeply yeah. Uh, and say, yes, I do. It just, it, it, it was, it, it was the um, beginning of a relationship and a, and, and maybe a confrontation between two heavyweight giants in, in the cerebral realm mm. that, that is going to lead both of them to healing that they both need. You've never looked at a woman and been totally vulnerable. Known someone that could level you with her eyes. Feeling like God put an angel on earth just for you. Who could rescue you from the depths of hell. And you wouldn't know what it's like to be her angel. To have that love for her be there forever. Through anything. Through cancer. And you would know about sleeping, sitting up in a hospital room for two months, holding her hand, because the doctors could see in your eyes that the terms visiting hours don't apply to you. You don't know about real loss, because that only occurs when you love something more than you love yourself. I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much. In fact, one of my favorite scenes is actually the one between Affleck and Damon where, where Affleck actually says to him, I dream that one day I'll turn up and you won't be there. And it's like Damon's character just didn't even consider that that was an option. And that was a real push for him. And I really like that scene that, you know, Chucky knows he has no chance of ever getting out of that. But his friend does and he should do it. You know what the best part of my day is? for about 10 seconds from when I pull up to the curb and when I get to your door. Because I think maybe I'll get up there and I'll knock on the door and you won't be there. No goodbye, no see you later, no nothing. I'm just left. I don't know much, but I know that.
Yeah, if you <laughs> asked me what my second favorite scene was, that would be it. Good stuff. <laughs> the first time Ben Affleck appears, I mean, okay, everybody's a lot younger than they are now. He bounds across the screen with this swagger and, and the, the hair and the big grin. And obviously, as all of us were 20 odd years ago, a lot slimmer. And I, the first thing I saw, I thought when I looked at him was still, that's Batman. And, <laughs> I, 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 and I think this is the first time I've seen the film since he's done Batman. So it never occurred to me. And then I'm so annoyed at myself that of all the things that he's done, the first thing I thought of when he came bounding across was that's Batman, how sad. That, that's funny you had that thought because I can still see in my mind his bounce and his swagger and he does that little mm. head bob in the bar. Uh, you know, he's just kind of being too cool for himself. But I thought to myself, is he really old enough to drink? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just, I just, it, it struck me as he, he is certainly uh, a, young, a young man. Yeah. Um, again, you know, the beauty of um, the characters that they they build in this, um, you know, because even his real life brother Casey, who went on to win an Academy Award for another film later yeah. in his career, you, you have that brother bantering, even though they're not playing brothers, that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to in yeah. their circle of friends, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. telling dirty jokes, cutting on each other, but having to be there in the moment when they are needed. That's you know, right. the fight that you mentioned, you know, if you don't get out of this car, I'm coming for you next. <laughs> you know, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, which is also an interesting point that I wanted to make. Um, and we had talked about this a little bit before. I don't know if our audience is aware, but the film that they shot was not the film that the boys wrote or, or Affleck and Damon wrote. It, yeah. it had a, it had a very different original storyline. And that was that his genius was recruited by the FBI. <clears throat> basically, um, with the intention of helping them spy on people uh, and crack codes. And um, and I, I mentioned that because that fight scene um, is kind of shown a little bit of a point of view that in the script, it was written that the, the, the point of view was through the police car as they were watching this fight unfold. It's at that moment ah. in this story uh, that makes it to the screen that he goes before the courts and then ends up in the system where he ends up with the psychologist and, and then the professor. Um, but it's in that scene that the original storyline was the FBI steps in and gives him the ultimatum, mm. um, which I don't know that it would have been the same film. I, I really don't. No. And, and I, I, I assume, I don't know this, and I was trying to find it in my research, that these were on-set decision rewrites uh, would be my gut instinct. Because I do know that I had heard interviews that Matt Damon said that that they had Robin Williams in mind for the Robin Williams role from the get-go and that they pitched him hard on it and there, there had to be some changes. And, and I assume that that's, you know, the essence of the story is their relationship. And I yeah. think that that changes. And you get a slight taste of the original script in that particular genre when Matt Damon is sitting on an interview and he gives his big, long soliloquy about, uh, you know, oil and uh, shrapnel in his friend's asses if yeah. what his decision is leads to war and, and killing. So... I just thought it was important to mention that point because the original script that won the Academy Award, which was one of the two awards they won, probably was sold on that particular script version. Yeah. That's my gut. Yeah, you're right. I think they were doing rewrites as they were filming it. Now, I'm, not, I'm not sure how much, but I'm sure they were. I guess if you've got your actors and, and 
and your writers as the same person and you have a good relationship with the director then it's going to happen so yeah that's probably the only thing of that particular strand of the story that's left in it isn't it i can't think of anything else right um yeah but what and so they won for the the screenplay which is great and i think worthy and I, but i also think what's interesting about this film is there is a lot of improvisation in it yes um, now probably because the the boys were friends any or brothers or you know street brothers whatever um but they all obviously got on really well anyway um and they could feed that in but there's an awful lot of improv as well with Minnie Driver's character, Robin Williams, you know, and so for it, for it to have won an Oscar for screenplay and yet have so much improv in it, I think that's really fascinating. I agree. And, and, and again, this is going on interviews that I've seen uh, in years past with, with Matt Damon in particular, and, and Robin Williams talked about this in several of his some of those moments that you get that are just beautiful moments on screen. You know, I think about the, the part where in one of the sessions, Robin Williams is talking about the beauty of relationships, which is really at the heart of what he's trying to, to get Matt Damon's character to realize is to, to, to open up and to expose yourself. And by doing that, you get all this other joy. And he talks about the, um, the finer moments of marriage when his <laughs> wife used to, to, to fart in her sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and and it and she would do it so loud that it woke woke him up and that was all improvised yeah, um, yeah. and the reaction that Matt Damon has is pure response to the genius of Robin Williams when he gets when he would get on one of his you know his tangents and his, yeah. his performance tirades um, and I think you find that in a couple other places as well um, certainly the the scene where he's talking about uh, Game Six of the World Series in which the Red Sox were as close at that point in history that they had been in a long time of winning a World Series with the Carlton Fisk home run. That was scripted because, Carlton you know, they, <laughs> they are, uh, yeah, exactly. Pudge, the great, uh, the great catcher for the Sox, both of them, um, Boston and Chicago. But you know that that was written in there by two homegrown Boston kids. And, and yet, as a Yankee fan, and I'm going to have to mention that here as a Yankee fan, <laughs> It still is a beautiful scene uh, because baseball is a uniting force, and just the way that that plays out in a therapy session was was um, maybe not the way most of my therapy sessions have ever <laughs> have ever unfolded. Uh, if I do spill little beans on myself, but um, you know, you, it just it just pulls you in to want to care for these guys and root for these guys. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Minnie Driver, and I think you know she was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. And I think maybe she's part of the equation that oftentimes is overlooked in this film, but yet so important. Uh, it leads, and I was I was planning in my head when we were going to have this discussion that I would leave off of this line, but I'll drop it in now, maybe come back to it. You know, the very last line of the movie is, I, I, I had to go see about a girl, which yes. is a line that he stole from his therapist, and, and Rob Williams even says that. He stole yes. my line, you know. <laughs> um, but what she adds to the story and um, and getting him to be vulnerable, um, I think, is brilliantly portrayed. There's a really endearing scene in a in a little kind of I don't know if it's a costume shop, but a knickknack kind of store where you know they're trying on costumes and she's making faces and funny voices and you know they're on a date and uh, <laughs> and he has another classic line for those <laughs> of you young viewers out there. Uh, 
she says, uh, were you hoping for a good night kiss? And he said, no, I was hoping for a good night lay. <laughs> had that kind of banter, but she, she was right there throwing equal punches back and forth. She was telling jokes with the friends. Yeah. I, I just read in the paper that, um, in fact, it was on just this week that the scene in which she tells her dirty joke in the bar in the movie release obviously has to be cleaned up for television. So she told a totally and completely different joke on uh, edited television. And ironically, when we started talking about discussing this film, it was on. And I remember seeing that. I thought, that's not the joke that she told in the movie. So oh. we obviously had to clean up for content. But yeah, I think her performance was brilliant as well. And if yeah. many drivers looking for a boyfriend, uh, I'll go ahead and say I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she and Matt Damon did have a relationship after the film, I think, it was, which possibly yes. would account for the... Again, why the, the, the improvised lines worked and the relationships all worked together as well. Well, yeah. you know, and it takes that kind of magic to make, uh, make a powerful film sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's not mm -hmm. just what's on the paper, but the other stuff, the intangibles. Yeah, and I think the, the things you've just been talking about now, um, I think all together is one of the reasons why I think this film works. Because on its own, it's a, a, maybe a sentimental story about a, a young man who's had a difficult life and then he ends up with, you know, an opportunity. And that doesn't sound anything spectacular. But when you put in the individual performances, some of which are quite small, but still contribute something. When you draw all those together, it turns into something for me a lot bigger than the original premise. And I think when you look at Damon, Affleck, Mini Driver, um, Robin Williams, of course, Stellan Skarsgård, is, I, name me one film that is not elevated by the presence of Stellan Skarsgård. I would watch him in anything. I love him to bits. I think when you draw all of those characters together and all of their contributions, I think it's that's one of the things that makes it such a watchable film. I, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, I agree. And I agree with the, the Skarsgård comment. Mm -hmm. he, he raises a film to an, another level. You know, overlook, you, you talk about some of the other minor characters, um, the friend that buys him the car. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he, had, he had the kind of big brother wisdom and, and not very many lines, but every line was, you know, important to the to the picture um i think about the kind of aristocratic snotty uh dare i say harvard student that's yeah. trying to make these working class guys you know you're in the wrong bar and, and you certainly shouldn't be hanging out with uh a harvard student uh you know he has that line do you like apples you know <laughs> i got a number how do you like them apples do you like apples yeah. Well, I got a number. How do you like them apples? <laughs> um, certainly, it just had uh, those layers. And I, again, I think that's also to the brilliance of Gus Van Zandt, which I don't want to underestimate. He, he mm -hmm. is a brilliant filmmaker. Another film that was award-winning for him that came right on the heels of this was a film called Elephant. I don't know if you saw that. That could be a discussion for another day. No, but, I don't um, think I've seen that. Uh, one, one for you to put on your list uh, and our, and our mm -hmm. listeners to put on the list of most certainly you want to check out uh, another brilliant piece of filmmaking by Gus Van Zandt. And you know that I 
always have to have at least one stupid question every episode. <laughs> no, they're not stupid. They're well thought out, but go so, ahead. Is there a bad will hunting? What what does good will hunting mean? Is that is that a phrase that's lost on me on my version of English or it it is a it's a Boston thing. Ah, a Boston thing. Yeah, not a stupid question. Okay, yeah. I love the Boston accent. That's great. I love it. And there's some of the the aerial images of the city. Just uh, I want to visit. That's on my list to visit. Yeah, I was I was looking, and I, I would certainly give you a tour. And I and I've been to many of those parts, and some of them I will just say from afar. That's where that part was. We we yeah. don't go in there. <laughs> oh no, uh, that's we, fine. <laughs> you're not welcome. Uh, but I was looking at my notes. The one thing that I didn't write down was who the cinematographer was. I, I guess oh, I, I forgot. So, I can have a look while you're. Uh, but I agree. There are just some beautiful shots uh, of Boston that that really pull you into the city and into the core of the story. You know, Boston has always had a reputation in our country's history of being uh, rebellious and independent and fiercely loyal to to the city you know there is a there is a character in boston and i've been there a couple of times and i just love it there is so much history and oh, and i can true. take i can only take so much of the accent but i'll give that to you no i can understand that but there's something about it that, that i like i guess um i mean the departed is another film i could watch just for the accent mm. indeed um, indeed yeah now uh, that one did win and rightfully so what um, maybe we need to discuss it. I, I seem to remember there was something else that year that that put that on the list for a future episode yeah was it a was it a pity vote for the direct um the the cinematographer oh. is jean oh. yeah did i touch you know jean yves escoffier in my best french he's known for his work on uh les amants du pont neuf which yeah of course let me just see what let's look down here. 44 credits, what do I see? Um, uh, um, Nurse Betty. <laughs> uh, Rounders, that had um, Matt okay. Damon as well. It did. Grace of My Heart, The Crow, City of Angels. Okay. Uh, oh, The Crow. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then a whole load of French stuff earlier. Okay. There is cinematography. I will note that. French stuff. So, yeah. But, yeah. Very good images that's a good point that you made yeah normally we talk about the cinematography and mm. i overlooked it on this one i'm glad robin williams won his um oscar for that i think i know we've talked about this a little bit before is that i do i, I don't dislike robin williams at all but i do like him most when he's doing stuff like this um, and i did think he was spectacular in this even though i really like robert foster and jackie brown who <laughs> well i was i was just getting ready to pay you the compliment that you finally came to your senses you're not going to get any argument out of me um i, I was a little bit disappointed and i thought that that matt damon deserved an oscar for best lead actor in that year and um and the academy has always loved nicholson yeah. talented brilliant in his own right but i think if you were to compare the two performances damon wrote himself an oscar worthy winning piece yes. and, uh, a part and he, and he and he should have been rewarded for that i guess you know it was always already kind of a popular foregone conclusion that he was going to win for writing maybe that had something to do with it maybe they thought his better performance would come later and it's still up to date he has not yet been honored with the best actor oscar no and i'm just looking because i do have a lot of his movies sitting on the shelf over there 
can't see anything that would be as good, I don't think. And even though he was very young when 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 he did this. I, I think several come to my mind. The talented Mr. Ripley, he was brilliant. Oh, in. yes, yes. Nominated, didn't win. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was brilliant and, and has made a franchise out of the Bourne series. Maybe not the best of writing, but um, certainly his performances have made that a franchise. Um, he was in a movie called The Good Shepherd, which was about the early days of the Central Intelligence Agency. Again, yeah. another brilliant performance. You know, he's had he's had some that maybe didn't quite stack up, but I think a very underappreciated actor. Yeah. Uh, he was I think brilliant he was Martian. Martian. Martian he was nominated for basically <laughs> was a one-man show and probably should have won there too and yet overlooked or that passed was good. over. Yeah, that was a yeah. good one. Yeah, so you you I will go to bat for Matt Damon. That that's Yo, another one. That's another uh that's another one I'll put on my list of I think uh, underappreciated um, film stars. Essentially, <laughs> I, I find it really difficult to pick out anything that I dislike. Um, I think they made the right decisions. They were going to kill off Chucky at one point, maybe as the impetus for Will to, to leave, and they decided not to, and that was the right decision. So I really don't think there's... I'm I'm struggling to find something I don't like about it. So comparing it with the other films that were nominated, I mean, to think that, I mean, I know people like Titanic for all kinds of reasons, but it's just a big, massive lump of, oh, I can't even, I can't even. You know, I, I, I lost, I lost all respect for that when they went back into the boats in the freezing North Atlantic waters, they said, oh, that's cold, but yet they continued to go in there and the hypothermia didn't get them before they even got <laughs> off the ship. Come on, please. It is, it, is a, it is a piece to behold on the scale and the scope. You know, we know the tragic story, how it ends, and they cleverly tied a love story in to it as well. Yeah. Uh, with two brilliant performances also, but uh, I'm sorry, it, it's fifth on my list of those five. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it was worthy of it. I certainly don't think it has withstood the test of time. No, I don't think so. I mean, L.A. Confidential is is certainly one to consider. Um, I, I don't think I, I wouldn't put it above Goodwill Hunting, but I certainly think it's better than a close more, second. Yeah, it has. It has. It has some good performances in it. I mean, I, I like Guy Pearce as a performer, so. Um, I think he does a really good, and I'm not a big fan of Kim Basinger, but I really did like what she did in that film. So yeah, I'm 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 sticking by my decision, and I think uh, you're with me on this one. I am 100%. So we'll put that in the tie column. Yeah. Well, I think we're, that's probably about right. With this is episode seven, we've had three each and a complete tie. So. Oh well, how appropriate for our first season. Yeah, I think so. Um. Yeah, that's right. So we are just, uh, we were chatting before and it's just getting into uh, November, December, which is, you know, quite a busy time and, and it's dark and miserable and everything. So uh, we are going to end our first season here with this episode. Um, and then we're going to regroup in the new year and we'll come back with hopefully some more worthy films for talking about. This means, though, Dan, that you have to start us off next season because it's your turn to choose. So 
I'm going to leave that one with you. Okay, and I'll keep you in suspense as I <laughs> rack my files and uh, decide what is a worthy kickoff to season two. Yeah. In the meantime, I think I'm going to have to go see about a girl. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, very I good. will still bring the cheese. <laughs> bring the wine. We can always rely on you for that. <laughs> Great. So, well, once again, Dan, thank you very much for your time. Uh, Great. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you. And uh, thank everybody for listening to us witter on again about, you know, films we love and actors we like. So um, you can find me, if you wish, on Twitter. I'm at ReasyPie. I'm the same uh, name also on Letterboxd, if you are on there. You can find out other find other podcasts and writing over at themovieisle.com. And please join us next time on And um, the Winner Isn't. And uh, in the meantime, we hope you have good holidays. Take care. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you. Original music composed and performed by Martha O'Sullivan.